Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast, fast. Hey, what's going on, Clever Investors? Welcome back to the Clever Investor Show. I'm Cody Sperber, the OG Clever Investor. And today we got a very special treat for you because we got a world champion boxer in the house, Andre Berto. He is a two-time welterweight champion yes, and, sir. you know, a bronze medalist in the Olympics, baby. Hey, listen. And, a, and just an overall badass. We got Josh Snow back again, whose episode right, was baby. phenomenal. We had to have him back from Snow Oral Thanks Care. Thanks for having me back, Cody. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here right now. And we got my biz partner and one of my favorite people in the real estate game and in the entrepreneur space, Cole Hatter. What up? Founder of Thrive and Make Money Matter. Uh, you guys have heard me brag about Cole before because he's doing really epic things, uh, making his money matter and helping kids, underprivileged kids in Mexico. He's my friend I that I brag the most about because, uh, you know, Josh Snow, he makes, you know, nine figures like it's no problem, right? So he's, like the, the he's a no problem guy. Yeah, right? As long as the IRS isn't listening. <laughs> no, you know, he's got all the cool stuff. But do you own an orphanage, Josh? Uh, I, I contribute to orphanages okay. throughout the well, world. He just said he's about to donate to you, Cole. I heard yeah, it But here. Cole builds them by hand. Yeah, that's, that's right. He's special. Yeah. That's that. right. Hey, that's guys, crazy. listen. I'm so happy you guys are here. Uh, we're just going to have a raw conversation. Totally different than a normal Clever Investor show because we just got done masterminding together. Definitely. You came all the way from Florida. Definitely. And now you're in the heat. The, the real heat. The dry heat. AZ heat. They got me out here, but I'm here. I know. And uh, and we just thought, hey, let's let's roll the cameras, roll the mics, and talk shop. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's so it. Um, real quick, because I've had the uh, the honor of having Josh on the show, and I'm going to get to you first, because Cole's got exactly 55 minutes before he's got to catch a flight. But I want to start with you, Andre, because, uh, you know, you're coming out of the boxing world. For sure. How, how many years— have you been a boxer? Oh, man, I fought. I mean, I first started, I think I had my first match when I was seven years old. Seven years old as an amateur. Um, I've had over 300 amateur fights. I made the U.S. team when I was 15 years old. Um, I got a chance to travel to 21 different countries in high school, um, you know, with the U.S. team. And, um, and you know, I say 2004, went to the Olympic Games. After that, turned pro, and it's been a fucking roller coaster ever since. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, been crazy. An epic roller coaster. Epic. And you're originally from Haiti? No, I'm... Where are you from? I mean, I'm. of course, I was born in Florida. I was born in Miami, raised in Central Florida. My parents are from Haiti. My parents are from Haiti, so yeah. Okay, all right. Did you ever dream that you were going to go all the way to the top, fighting the best of the best, and kicking butt uh, You know way? what? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, what I'm I mean, I think, I think that's the mentality that you have to have. I mean, um, of course, just growing up the way we grew up, um, you know, very, very, very you know, humble beginnings. Like I, like I said, of course, my parents are from Haiti, um, so so that struggle was real for us. So, I want a question. Uh-oh. As a, as a young guy me. coming up, how many times did you mentally put that belt on before you actually got to put that belt a on? Cody was, in yeah. one time. You could feel like, huh? You close your eyes in your bedroom as a little boy. You seriously. could feel that weight of that belt on your waist. A million in one time. You times. felt the ref hold your hand up like this as the winner. You sit in my room visualization, all the time bro. and visualize it. Constantly, I'll sit in my room and watch tapes of just fighters. I used to write. I have notepads still, like in my old house, in my bedroom, just filled up with notepads, just goals and shit that I just wanted to achieve. And every step that I was going to do to try to accomplish it's crazy, crazy. Out of all your fights, what was like, in from looking back, the most memorable one? Um, I mean, of course, uh, the most memorable. It's probably, uh, I mean, it's hard not to say the Floyd Mayweather fight wasn't the most memorable because a lot that comes with it. But I believe uh, probably just me just winning my first world title. I mean, that was, you know, that was that point for me where I know I really made it all the hard work that I put in um, and just me being able to see all my family, you know, sitting there and enjoy it with me and really go through that process from seven years old, just running you know, five miles a day, putting in just hours in the gym, um, you know, time in and time out and just see it just all just pay off. It was, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. Who was like your coach or mentor along that journey that, uh, um, that got you through some of those mental hurdles? Man, my dad. My dad was a beast. You know, of course, he kind of got me into the fight game. Um, you know, the whole family were fighters, actually. You know, my dad, you know, he was in the mixed martial arts. So, of course, he used to train in a lot of different, you know, disciplines. And he took me to he took me to the boxing gym with him one day because I was a badass kid. 
kept getting in trouble, had a lot of energy. And, uh, you know, I just stepped into the gym and, and you know, they put me in there to spar some fat kid. And I'm looking like, okay, I'm about to beat his ass real quick. And it didn't go that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't go that way. And, you know, he beat me up pretty good. And, and, and you know, from that point on, I'm, I mean, I always wanted to find out how this happened. Because I was stronger, I was faster. But this kid had the technique. And I had to figure that out. I'm like, okay, why was he so calm? Why, you know, how he... Just dodged and moved from these shots, and he just picked me apart. Like, I got to figure this out. And from that point, I was just obsessed with it because I knew if I was able to put all that together, I was going to be a problem. And so your dad was, like, coaching yeah, along so the way? Yeah, so my dad was, um, yeah, he was my first coach. Then, of course, you know, I had another coach after that. Um, I mean, like, of course, that really just took me to another level. But my dad was, like I said, he was brutal. You know, he's an island guy. And if I said I want to do something that he— I mean, early in the morning before I go to school, he's out, you know, at five o'clock in the morning. He's having me running drills. You know what I mean? Um, you know, anytime I got in trouble at school, it was 500 push-ups, 500 squats before I went to school. So everybody in school knew when I got in trouble. I'm walking in there sore as hell, just looking crazy. But, of course, I used to hate it at the time. But from that young age, it kept, you know, it was building me, you know, physically and mentally. Yeah, as a young man, without me even knowing, I thought he just was an asshole. Like, damn, like, this dude is doing a lot. But, you know, once I really found my path, man, I just felt that I was so much further than a lot of other kids my age, mentally, you know what I mean, and physically. And, uh, you know, it just took me to another level. We're too soft on our kids now. Oh, I know. Man, what shit, the hell? Please. He's doing 500 push-ups, yeah, 500 squats. He was not playing. I breathe all. on Hudson wrong. He starts crying and <laughs> threatening to call the police on me. Man, That's what happens crying. nowadays. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, they call the police on me. Yeah, That's it's crazy. like, what? So <laughs> did did you have any resentment growing up towards him or did you just, that was just what was normal to you? So you just dealt with it? Because ultimately it helped create a mindset yeah. in you and a drive in yeah, you that sure. made you the indis- undisputed champion yeah. of the whole freaking yeah, world. For sure. How cool that must feel. I've got questions on that later. Of course, I was, I didn't like it all the time, but I think, you know, just with me, for some reason, for me, you know, I always wanted to try to prove my father wrong to a sense. Even though he pushed me, but he was the type of guy, he he didn't want to give me too much love. Do this, do that. Or, well, I don't know if you can do that. Okay, well, I'm going to show you. Okay, you think that's going to break me? I'm going to show you. You know what I mean? That was my mentality coming up. That was always my mentality on how I carried myself always, especially when it came to him because he was such a big figure. He was well-known around town. He was muscular. He was this, he was that. And I seen the respect that all other adults gave him and I wanted that as well. So if I'm living there in the house with that type of guy, you know, I know I had to show him on a regular basis you know, what kind of kid that he had. So, so you know, it was, it was, it was a, shit, it was war all the time in the house. I feel like time. that's a big problem today yeah. is that there's not enough of that, you know, fatherless homes. Yeah, for and sure. And not having that for sure. framework to be able to yeah. build off of, right? And so, like, how many times did you go with your dad to work and what yeah. type of work and what type of camaraderie did he have around them? And it sounds like that was definitely yeah. a, a framing that was important. And at the same time, you know, I think it was very important that, you know, he wasn't just telling me what to do. I was able to see him get up right. every day and get to it. Example. You know what I mean? He was a amazing, he was an amazing example. I seen him running. I seen him hitting the gym on a regular basis. I seen his mental mentality with all the shit that we were dealing with. We didn't have much. I got a chance to see it on a regular basis. So it wasn't... Yeah, Do you I think he seeded the the championship mindset? Because it's, oh, fast, sure. it's, it's very unique. It's fascinating. Sure. It's ultimate. For sure. For sure. Like I said, I knew, I mean, like in our community, I knew that we were different to a sense because, of course, you know, just being from Haiti, I didn't have a lot of this other, you know what I mean, a lot of the same shit a lot of other kids had. So I knew, you know, things were different for us. Right. You understand me? So I knew that we had to work probably twice as hard to get the respect or just to even earn whatever that we wanted you know, at the time. And he continued to push on that. Uh-huh. And he continued to hone that in our minds that we got to work twice as hard for everything that we need. So you can't slack. If this is what you want to do, you got to put 101% into it. I'm going to make sure you do. You know what I mean? So if this is what you want to do, son, yeah, let's do it. He's waking me up 5 o'clock in the morning. Boom. So you get off the bus at school, you're running three miles to the gym. If this is what you want to do, I don't want to hear nothing else. And that was it. Wow. That was it. Period. Strong. Yeah, so... You know, now you're on the other end of your career, yeah. right? And you're here because you're getting into real estate. 
man, I love it, man. I love all of it, bro. I love, I love business. I love business. I've always been, um, I've always been a great student, you know, when it comes to, you know, just different ventures of things. Um, and just throughout life, uh, you know, period, I just believe there's graduating stages, you know, in every aspect of life. You know, of course, when I was in high school, we had to graduate. When I was an amateur, we had to graduate. I went to the pinnacle as an amateur, went to the Olympics, and it was time to graduate. So we turned pro, and I went to the pinnacle of the professional game, um, you know, fighting for world titles and fighting, uh, what was name, Floyd Mayweather. Now it's almost time to graduate again. You know what I mean? So I want to be the best at this side, you know what I mean, like of this side of life as well. So like well, for me, the shit doesn't stop. There's a tremendous amount of athletes that yeah. that come come off of that high. Yeah, you know, it, it, being in the ring, being a champion, yeah. having everybody around you cheering you on. To all yeah. of a sudden, that ends, and you're trying to find your purpose, find your passion, find your lane, and they suffer. You know, and they and they Always blow through is. their money. They're not yeah. good at financial intelligence. Thanks. There's not a lot of examples. I think that's what I love most about what you're doing right now yeah. is you're setting a standard. Yeah, have for people watching you. Have to, man. I think. Um, like in order to go to the next level, you have to seek. You know what I mean? I've seen, I've I've been able to observe and see guys, you know, go through the shit from, you know, from being the top dogs to, of course, when the career is over, because it's going to be over sooner or later, to, um, to you know, fall into the pitfall, of, like I said, the same pitfall of, like everybody else, they just run through the cash or their overhead is just still ridiculous. Once those paychecks stop coming in, you know, like I said, it always ends bad. You know what I mean? So, um, and another thing, I just don't think they have too much of an example that they can look forward to because it's a continuing cycle. I've seen it over and over again. So I think I need to be that example. You're in the right lane. I Real estate is a great lane to be I in. Love it. You guys are talking about maybe getting in. You own affordablehousing.com? Absolutely. Well, of course yeah, you are. Yeah, get into some in affordable housing there. Got, we're in on it already. All right. That that that, that deal was brokered in the we back of my Tesla, might, I'm just might, saying. You might be in as well. You can get another Tesla. <laughs> hey, someday I hope <laughs> to, uh, to earn that kind of net worth. We're we're um, uh, you said something in the back of the car that I thought was pretty profound. You, you were talking about Magic Johnson. Yes. What did you say? Well, first I said, I think he's one of the best uh, entrepreneur and business speakers I've ever heard. And not that I didn't expect a lot. Obviously, his name speaks before him and all of that. But I think being able to listen to his principles and how he negotiated up front and he was willing to take, he was willing to play chess when a lot of people wanted to play checkers. Mm. And I really admire that delayed gratification because it's, one of the signs of mastery and championship. And it requires that. And I think that he doubled down and said, you know what, if you want me to be here forever, well, then you got to mentor me. You got to introduce me to all the people that are in the front row. I want to meet these people that come watch me and my buddies play. And, you know, if, if they're well off enough to be able to have a floor seat, I might want to have a lunch with them. And so I, I, I heard that and that was really strong. And I think that there was something that kind of called to me in terms of the uh, connections between extreme, uh, you know, championship level, extreme, unique, rare athletes like Andre, and then business, you know, icons and 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 the, the rise even in real estate, you name it. But it's a sport, and I think That's... that was one of the first times hearing someone so successful break it down in that fashion and connect those dots. And I think it really calmed me down a lot because. I said, you know, this is my sport and this is what I want to become the best. I want to become like Andre, a champion of the world of, of my business. And I, I want to teach others to do that. I want to invest in others to do that. And I want to teach others how to do that. And I connect a lot to the example piece in, in being a young Hispanic entrepreneur and saying, how can I create that framework? How many Hispanic billionaires can you point to? Most people point to Steve Jobs and they point to XYZ, right? And Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. And so I think, um, you know, mixing up that representation in terms of what's available. I think that's why I've been able to build brands with athletes and celebrities. And I think there's a certain level of intensity. And I think hearing that from someone so successful and accomplished as Magic Johnson in a way that was translated in business that connected those dots. I mean, I couldn't thank them enough. Yeah. Think of the foresight in that. Like, yeah, I'm going to get paid really well. But what's right. just as important to me is you to introduce me to everybody who's got those 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 floor seats wow. because whatever they know, right? Yeah, whoever they know, however they got there, I want to understand that. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's, that's gangster. 
That's I love cool. It. I never heard that's that story dope. before. I like that. He's great, man. That's that's, that's brilliant. No, I think it's dope too because you know, for somebody like him to say that, because to be honest, you know, coming from where we come from in our, like I said, our demographic of people, right? We always, you know, have to do something physical to be able to reach that. Mm. I mean, to reach that point to be able to sit down with guys that you know that, you know, like I say, most likely, I mean, you have a great, you know, a business sense to a sense mm-hmm. they can. You know, I'm sit down and 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 really probably try to plan something out to make happen. It's always key. Who who's some other athletes that that like you knew, like you met that really impressed you? That you were like, wow, they transcend just athletics. I mean, they, Shaq they really is dope. Yep, they get you know, the I mean, business. Shaq side. is killing it. Um, mm. you know, Magic's killing it. Mm. Uh, uh, I think Shannon Sharp is killing it. Mm. Man, I mean, he's killing it right now too. Uh, you know, just a handful actually, man. Um, would you say uh, Flo- Floyd's good at business? Oh yeah. Uh, I that was a good answer right there. That was a solid answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm hearing that he's in a lot of things. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know what Floyd is. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I could, I used yeah, to be for him. I work with Floyd. Yeah. I could tell you that he's, you know, he's definitely diversified. Yeah. And I think that he it's has a lot been, going on. he's got a lot going on. And I, I think that that's, that's been good. And again, that's one of the kind of connection points for, uh, um, athletes and yeah. sports and visualizing business as a sport that there's some shared respect in it's that huge. uh in the pedigree that you've worked for and i think that the the distance from where you started to where you mm-hmm. are now is um also some sense of connection because you know a lot of entrepreneurs like myself like so many start with absolutely nothing all the odds stacked against them mm-hmm. and then you have to become your own biggest cheerleader because there's no one there in the beginning that sees what you see but you have to see what you see and if you don't if you stop seeing that who else will see it yeah. and you've got to see it so much so that it becomes so and then everyone else sees it and then sometimes when you have a bad day and you can't see it those people remind you to see yeah. it and that's, I mean, it correlates crazy. the same. It correlates a lot with, I gotta say, with sports, with especially with boxing. It correlates all the same. When you're trying to cut like a brand deal, like a, a like an yeah. endorsement celebrity brand deal, so let's say you guys don't know each other. You want you want to get Andre to do the the snow teeth whitening, what you know, hold it up about? with his pearly white doing his thing, brain. right? How are you? Are you approaching his? To him directly? Are you approaching his management team? How are you Just structuring those a deal? Yeah, are you sliding into that sliding DM? Into DMs. He's like, oh, I'm man. a hot, tall, Hispanic male with white <laughs> yes, teeth. Yes, why not? You jump all on that, <laughs> Cody. <laughs> Cody's, Cody, I, I already blocked him three months ago. But I think the truth is, is, is I talk to people that I want to work with that if they see what I see, yeah. I talk to them differently. Mm. And if they don't, and it's just, yo, here's, 50 grand to post something, do this, do this, do this. That's an endorsement. That's okay. That's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I say, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, we could impact billion lives because everybody brushes their teeth. Everyone's got teeth, kids all around the world. What if we donated a toothbrush for every toothbrush we sold? And well, so now you're talking my language. I think there there's, you, you know, I think there's, there's opportunity because when, when you you have someone that's made a significant amount of money, they have opportunity. They got inbound opportunity left and right, equity, all this stuff, whatever. So for me, I don't want to be in that same conversation unless it's just an endorsement deal. If I go, this is just an endorsement deal. Chill out. We'll see where it goes. Let's start here, and that's okay. And then you start somewhere. But if it's a partnership or something where I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, do you think? People will have teeth in 20 years. Okay, well then we should be business partners and we should figure it out. And what yeah. else do you do? And so I think there is that that different kind of approach when you see someone that has perhaps longevity. You go, this guy gets it. We're going to work together. You know, Rob Gronkowski and Chuck Liddell were too early on equity uh, partners inside of Snow. It wasn't because we were, it was like we ba- barely made our first million bucks or something, two million bucks. But they saw it and, and Rob was like, I've never whined my teeth in my life and I have super sensitive teeth. And he's like, all right, I'm going to try it. And if it whines my teeth and it doesn't cause me sensitive teeth, I'll call you back. And I was like, all right, try it out. And so he called me back and he was like, I love this. I can see this being a household name. I could see elevating oral care. And that was a different approach. Chuck was like, you know, I understand teeth whitening. I've been around the teeth. The mouth guard is like what I wear when I fight. I get it. There was just so much there that was different than just like, Oh yeah, I promote it. I got a lot of people that would buy this. It was mm-hmm. a different style. Mm-hmm. So I'm either looking for how they treat me 
or looking and, and seeing if I want to change that. Otherwise, I'll be like, okay, we'll You're do looking that. for like alignment and synergy. More than it's just, a vibe, man. Yeah. It's a vibe. It's I can talk. I can smell it through the manager. If the manager is not <laughs> it, it's not it. And then I say, let me get direct. And I try to get as direct as I can to the celebrity, the athlete, because I get them more sometimes, and especially up front, so, uh, most of the time than I do with the manager. Because you know, so if I can get with the athlete, I can sit with Floyd and say, "Hey, you got a great smile. You know, this is what we want to do. What do you think about this?" That sounds pretty. What if we did this? What if we did this? Versus just, hey, post this picture of this thing and yeah. do it. And for me, I kind of want, I kind of want to spend more time on people in that lane. Yeah. And the endorsements, you knock them out. How much am I paying for? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. And if it works well, you might come back and say, let's have lunch. But the, you know, people kind of self-identify, I think, depending on how interested they are in what you're working on. They'll kind of they'll let you know if they want to be more involved. And I think you just got to give them the opportunity to do so. You got to sell well. You got to mm-hmm. storytell well. You got to communicate well. You got to be convicted on what you're working on. And, uh, you know, this, the craziest thing that I think I've learned in this space uh, for the most part is that people want to be around people that they believe want nothing from them. Mm. And as soon as something, someone gives me something, I give it times two back to them and I want nothing back. And I find that if you amplify that 17 years I've been doing this, over time, it starts to pay back. And I think in that world of celebrities and, and athletes, they want to find the pedigree that they can respect at the level that they've earned. And they want to find someone who's not going to yank their chain and you know F them around. They want to know what's the real deal? What's, what are we doing here? Yeah. How are you making money? How are you making money? What is here? What is the backstop? What's going on here? And I found that the best partners that I've had in the celebrity and athlete space are um, now switching from athlete and now adding entrepreneur for and sure. investor. For so sure. athlete, a champion, for sure. athlete, entrepreneur, investor. Yeah. Yep. And they're, I, they're, that's They're it. expanding. They're growing yes. bigger. Yes. Yeah. And they're not everyone's willing, that. only like, I don't know, 10, 20% of athletes want to do that. Yeah. The rest are in the middle of their career. Or they're, they're looking for more endorsements or they don't maybe vibe with what you're doing. And that's okay. Because you're not looking for every single athlete. You're looking for the best ones that vibe with what you're doing. And you say, okay, well, let's start somewhere and let's yeah. see where this goes. And right. what do you think we should have? And I've gotten some of the best ideas from my partners because they're the ones that have access to the, the audience. And they go, you know what I hear a lot of? If there was something like this, and I've been using the product, mm. and they give you that feedback because they want to promote it harder. Mm. And they know if you change the product for their audience, they'll promote it harder. Yeah. yeah that, Are that, they tied in some sort of rev share agreement? Or how do you... It's all listeners the board, that, man. I've yeah. done 100 deals differently. Yeah, The most common is uh, a little upfront cash, or upfront cash, right? So you yeah. pay for the, the media. And then a little kickback on the back end for sales for a boost. So if it ends up working out well, you want to incentivize that. Um, and then sometimes there's other stuff inside of it. But usually if you're up front, let me give you a little bit of cash. Let's see where we can go. Let's yeah. see how it works. But you can't ask a champion athlete, be like, yo, I'll just do it for free. I'll give you 5% totally. equity no, of man, something. He's That's very disrespectful. It's like Pablo Picasso and saying like, hey, just draw something on the napkin for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I was talking with a, a friend. His name's Ryan. Ryan, you know Hammy TV yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, yeah his name yeah. Ryan. You know, they got a massive audience. Him and his millions, wife do millions. lots of fun, yeah. gaggy type uh, uh, skits and stuff. And um, they were approached by Blue Chew, and they, they've done a bunch of stuff with Blue Chew, which is like I don't know. Viagra, the alternative of Viagra. You chew, yes. chew a little thing. Erectile dysfunction. You, you, yes. get, a, you get a little wow. excited. And mm-hmm. it's perfect for them because it's a husband and wife doing skits about being a husband and a wife. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, they blew Blue Chew up. Yeah. Like blew it up. And he was like, I was their first like big like kind of influencer that I took a shot on. And then he earned equity and mm. now they're riding off in the sunset. And nice. every once in a while Good. I see him post a little Blue Chew. I'm like, there you go, get paid. And, and, get and it works paid. because Blue Chew But here's the thing you got to realize with that. I've done so many deals now with, with influencers and stuff. And if, 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 if I was to go back in time, I would say, make sure what you're promoting is right. I would rather... I'm not an athlete. I don't represent athletes. I don't represent celebrities. I work with them and I'm an entrepreneur. But if I was in that space, I would look at like life insurance, right? So the teen mom series on MTV, don't sell some more waist trainers and fat burners, sell single mom life insurance for all of your followers who have followed you. You got 3 million followers, 5 million followers, 10 million followers. Instead of selling 5,000 waist trainers that don't even do anything or whatever it is, (laughs) right? 
you should go and see how can I partner with an insurance company and have all these moms that are following me and say, as a single mom, what would happen if something happened to you? Well, you want to make sure that your kids are protected. And this is why I'm partnering with Gerber or whatever mm. it is and say, I want to get a cut of all the policies I'm bringing in. I want to educate. I want to make sure this is the real deal. And so like, for example, Taylor Swift avoided the FTX lawsuit because she asked a simple question and I can't uh, recant the exact question, but she asked a question that was probably driven by her father's been in investment for a long time. Maybe her legal counsel, she's got a team, but someone asked a question, the right question, and it allowed her to avoid the whole FDX debacle. But I think that that's important when you think about celebrities and athletes, they're looking at longevity. So they don't want to hurt their brand because mm -hmm. that's what they have. They built sure. this brand, the reputation sure. over so much time. They want to make sure the product works. They want to make sure it's legit. Is it something that they would actually use? Would they consider using it? Would their audience get benefit from it? So you got to go through all these layers. But I found that if you were to sell insurance or something that had a long lifetime value high, or maybe you're raising money for a real estate investment project from accredited investors, you're, you get a thousand people to convert and an average of $50,000 of investment, that's 50 million in a weekend of promotion for yeah. one athlete to drive to a real estate investment project. So the, the arbitrage of how you use the eyeballs is really important. So if someone's Thanks. got 3 million, 10 million followers, what are you selling them? How widely available is it? Is it just an Indiana offer? Well, then I can't do that for my whole audience. They're not going to be able to activate. So I think that celebrities and athletes that most who are thinking to now move to that next stage of the career, which is to build the enterprise value and liquidate mm. that and monetize the, their brand. Just think about that longevity. And if you look at uh, Ryan Reynolds, for example, Mint Mobile, a mobile phone. Yeah. Smart. It's affordable. Everybody can get it. Swipe up. Easy. Everybody who follows him, everyone wants a movie or a show. So you think about where these people are really cashing out and where, where athletes are making the majority of their net worth. It's not in like the most scientific stuff in the world, but it's in very specific areas and they're able to draw lifetime value from it. And so I would, anyone listening, if you've got millions of followers, think about what you're pushing and just say, wait a second, I'm about to push this supplement or something else. Could I push auto insurance? Could I have my own little auto it's insurance? It's a whole thing? other level of thinking. You, yeah. you just kind of gave yeah. them a master class yeah, yeah, on like how to like really we're think. Working on it. Well, how, how much have you spent on 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 uh, endorsements and sixty, seventy million amount of cash? Th that's why people listening to this should should pay attention. Definitely, that's the credibility attention. part. I wanted to make and sure everybody understood. That's a lot of freaking money. I didn't know. I, not for the endorsement stuff. I knew business, but I didn't know Hollywood. Yeah, I didn't know managers endorsements. And I would walk in and I just got fed up one time. And I said, all right, how do you get paid? How do you get paid? How does he get paid? How does he get paid? And it just like, it made things easier. And it's like, oh, well, I get 3% of the contract. I get 1% override. I'm the lawyer. So I bill hours. So let me do all the legal counsel. So I could figure out very quickly. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's so, it for them? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like quick. Exactly. Otherwise you go to 20 dinners and you're like, are we going to work together? And I'm like, <laughs> man, I don't got time for this. I'm not from Hollywood. I'm yeah. an entrepreneur. I got to move. I'm an athlete in my sport of business. For sure. So I got to move and I got to move. And so that was kind of my motion. I think me not knowing that space was probably one of my biggest advantages because I didn't go through the similar layer. Yeah, through the I same went process. straight through. Well, I love it. You said something that I want to touch on. You said, um, hey, how cool would it be like uh, to explain to the, in the celebrity or the athlete, yeah. hey, we can make a toothbrush. We sell a toothbrush. We give one away. That's kind of that Tom Shoes yes. model. That, yeah. That's making, yes. that's, that's putting... Uh, business and give back all together into one, Social right? entrepreneurship. Okay. And this is this is man. right up Cole Hatter's alley. Man, this because gets me excited. It got me hard nipples right when you were talking about that. This is the man who taught me about for-purpose businesses and making their money matter. So explain that. Like open it up for every single person real fast. Why would an entrepreneur want to set their business up? Not just make a bunch of money and then donate and give it away. And that's how they make their money matter. But why would they want to integrate that thought like a Tom shoes or a snow oral yeah. care, giving away toothbrushes to underprivileged kids. How does that all work? And what's, what's your pitch to a young entrepreneur for setting sure. their business up the right way? Let me start with that last part of the question, how it works. And then your first part, why would someone want to do it? How it works is just connecting your business to some social cause. Like Josh was mm -hmm. just talking about for every pair for every uh, toothbrush he sells, he gives one away for free, right? It's not Josh becoming incredibly wealthy and then deciding to be 
altruistic and generous, which he also is, by the way, but it's in his business model. Before he ever gets paid, his business is already solving a problem. Mm. That's a for-purpose business. Tom's Shoes was just brought up. Same model. For every pair of shoes they sold, they gave a pair away. Before Blake Mikowski, the founder, paid himself, there was already a free pair of shoes donated to some child or person in a third world country that needed it. So it's not just being generous. And that's where the confusion is around for-purpose business. For it to be a for-purpose business, it solves some social need or cause or contributes to some cause in the mechanism of the business itself. Then the business kicks out profit. And once you get paid, you can do whatever you want with it. You can be generous continually and, and do things with your own money. So that's what a for-purpose business is. Why should people do it? Man, I would, we would need to have our own podcast. I could spend an hour on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, I haven't been Cody having can't this. afford that. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, with this conversation I've been having now since 2015. So I have now watched thousands of businesses come to thrive, convert to for-purpose, and I've gotten all the testimonials of them talking about how the lives that they're impacting and how they're changing the world, but what's really cool is their fulfillment. Mm-hmm. So if for no other reason to just re-fall in love with your business and know that you are a part of, of the solution and not a part of any problem that's out there is a huge per- reason why people would want to go to the for-purpose direction. Now, I could talk about all of the consumer reports and we all have seen the younger generations become more, I don't want to say touchy-feely, but more having a higher expectation that businesses do well and give back. All that yeah. data exists mm-hmm. out there. So you have more market share by being for purpose. It's a, a unique branding opportunity to talk about that in your messaging that you give back. Like there's all of the tactical things, but at the end of the day, what it really does for people is gives them purpose again. Mm-hmm. Most people long for purpose and making money and being successful and even winning championships are, are huge and, and feel good, but that doesn't give people lifelong Thanks. purpose. There needs to, you would have to win a championship every weekend and you would have to for make sure. it, right? And so, so the thing yeah. that for a lot of people connects them to purpose is you, for an example, with Green Elephant, you're passionate about uh, animal conservation, specifically elephants. Well, now while you're making tens of millions of dollars doing real estate, you're also helping these animals. And if you do it right as a for purpose, one of your KPIs and one of your metrics that you're looking at quarterly is how many lives are we impacting or whatever that causes, how much trees have we planted? Mm. And I'm not the first person to think of this. Obviously, we've talked about Tom's Shoes. You've got your company and there are a bunch. I was just at a Starbucks the other day and I saw in the checkout, there was a like a little protein bar and it says, this bar saves lives. Mm. And I flipped it over and for every bar you bar you buy, they give a meal away to some kids somewhere. Wow. Yeah. So, so this is becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger trend. Yeah, but so why mean. people should do it is it will make you more money. It will make your brand stand out because it is still unique. I hope that someday this is just the way that business is done. Yeah. And that by being mm. for purpose, you're not even cool anymore. It's just, sure. there's an expectation. You have a product or service and you have a cause. Right yes. now, businesses just have products or services. Mm-hmm. And every now and then you find someone like Josh with a cause built in. I hope that part of what my life purpose is, is having this conversation with as many people will listen to get as many businesses to convert to for purpose as possible. So this is just what the consumer expectation is. Consumers Oops. expect that your business gives back in some capacity and it becomes something that's not just important, but has to be a part of your business. So that's my that's dream. Dope. That's my vision. We can get there someday if if people continue to do it. But uh, for, the stats for, are nuts too, Cole, because we're, we're building a website right now, givingsociety.com, which is an app for Shopify owners to add to their uh, account. 100% goes to the charity, nice. but allow the customers to round up in their order, right? So mm-hmm. you can do it at oh, every store, so right? Many, so many I ways. I see that yeah, a lot. But the conversion like, rates are high. Panda, Panda Express. Chick-fil-A, you name it. They're always asking me to round up. Yeah, they round it up and then they take credit for it all at the end. Like, we donated 50 million. Yeah. But, which yeah. is fine. You know, at the end of the day, it goes to the right people. But so, yeah, I'm glad you said that because there's a lot of conversation around should you or should you not. And it's like, man, if people are being benefited, let's do it. As you should. If you have the, if you have the, the opportunity, you have the responsibility. And I think you Most should definitely. give, right? I think that's Most huge. Definitely. But I think the conversion rate on the business, the thing is that I want people to hear too is you're not like, obviously you're not wrong, but like the conversion rate increase is huge. The oh, totally. average order value, people spend more. They, they, they uh, refer more. All the stats are there. And we know, because we have to convince business owners to add this free app to their website to allow customers to round up in their purchase. Um, and they go, well, what's in it for me? And you go, well, you're going to help a lot of people. It's not yeah. going to take any work. It's not going to cost you any money. Yeah, it's- I know, but like, you know, is it going to make me any more money? <sighs> and once we saw the stats and we go, well, 28% increase in conversion rate, X percent nice. increase in average order value. So actually it's way better. Yeah. That people buy more, they come back more, they stick to you more. Yeah. So it actually, it's kind of that win-win. But I think what you're doing is really important, Cole, because there is that status quo of like, should I give, should I not? There's a lot of that confusion. In that, how does your app make money? 
So many of our listeners reach out and they ask us how they can get involved in my actual real estate deals. Our investment firm specializes in finding deeply discounted properties, acquiring them, renovating, stabilizing both single family and multifamily properties all over the United States. That's why we're so excited to share with you clevercapitalfund.com. Now, if you have some investment capital and you want to deploy it and receive double digit returns backed by real estate, then visit our website and see which fund is right for you. We have both equity funds and we have debt funds where you just get paid out every month like clockwork. All you got to do is visit www.clevercapitalfund.com today to learn more. Like, are you, like you get what That's I'm saying? It. Like if you're creating a website or well, creating- Well, I mean, yeah. we've got some of the smartest developers, my partners uh, uh, with Giving Society and, and we're building uh, opportunities for, for example, crypto, uh, NFT. So uh, there's innovation and IP that they're developing, that we're developing as a team, but my partners are experts on developing in terms of how do we make it seamless for one click? Stripe was an invention one day to allow people to process credit cards through their web apps. Shopify was an invention one time, allow people to create e-commerce. So I think that in the process of doing what we do best, which is the focus is to give 100% of those proceeds straight to the donation, uh, to the donation source, we will build some IP over time. And I think we will be able to perhaps unlock like GoFundMe, for example, was acquired, right? So there's there's IP beyond that. But I think the focus of the business is you can't focus on making money if you're focused on giving it away solely. You can mix the two. And that's where you're able to do both. If you can give a one for one or 10% yeah. of profits, 1% of profits, something, the retention on your team, the retention on your customers, the more they spend, the more they share. And it just feels good, man. At the end of the day, I feel it's my responsibility. So I can't sure. really justify it, but there are so many positives yeah. to it. I like how you explained it because it, it really is, uh, hey, look, we're going to stick with our goal, the philanthropic right. goal, but by building this infrastructure and this technology, you never know what down the road can be acquired by a bigger company. So there can still be a massive exit well, and, and you a big need win. That. You need that as an entrepreneur yeah. because why are people going to work for this? Yeah. Because the truth is, if you look at if you look at nonprofits, you look at the salaries of teachers and et cetera, there's a degradation and there's there's it's difficult to incentivize someone to make more than 50 grand a year and be like, solve this whole problem. And yeah. you're going to make 40 grand a year, work 80 <laughs> hours a week and pay for all your own supplies for the kids. They aren't even yours. So it's like, it's a lot. Yeah. So I think that it requires a public private type of partnership or it requires kind of entrepreneurial thinking to say, mm -hmm. how can we reinvent this? Uh, I invented a tool years ago called studentwallet.org and I donated it to our nonprofit foundation. And I had to, I went out of pocket myself to get it done. I need to get it done. I didn't need the red tape of education or et cetera and donate to foundation. So it'll never make money. And so the truth is some of these things may never make money, but I think with what we're building on the donation software side of things, there is a way for us to do NFTs. Like if you've got NFTs and you want to donate them to charity and get a, a tax write-off and all of this, if we make it easy for you in one click to do so on your favorite websites, that might be an innovation that might be worth licensing that might have other implications. And you need that as an entrepreneur when you're recruiting top level talent because they need an opportunity to create something that could be monetizable. But worst case, we help millions of people. So it's like, could that's make the, a billion. That's the right answer. Right there. Yeah. Just doing the right thing. Of course, right. Josh has it. more money than he could spend in his life. And so why not do some passion projects that right. VIP and tech will be worth something yes. at some point. Yes. But in the meantime, your net result is you're impacting the world in a positive way. I think that's important. That's right. So here, here's a million dollar question for you guys. Beautiful. Uh, entrepreneurship. Are you born with the it factor to be an entrepreneur? Or is this something you, you learn? You know, my opinion on this is changing. In real time. I thought it was something you can learn, but I think, well, let me be clear. Running a business is different than being like a true blue entrepreneur. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, as you're asking your question, are a unique breed. And I think that you are born. Now, someone who's not a true blue entrepreneur can learn how to run a business. But I even, to be completely honest with you guys, question every now and then if I'm even an entrepreneur, because I look at guys like Josh, who's eight years younger than me and making Edible. nine figures. And it's like, well, why aren't I making nine figures? And I had an eight-year run on this guy, right? But at the same time, I know that I am literally unemployable. Like you can't, I can't work for somebody. I'm, I would be, I'd be fired in like two seconds. <laughs> you definitely are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and like, and I need an outlet for my creativity. I, in business, it's always problem solving. Like I, there would be no career that would be satisfying for me emotionally or, or you know, mentally. It, it, 
all the frustration, it's like that bad relationship that you guys keep breaking up and keep getting back together. Yeah. That's me in business. Like, man, it'll punch me in the face. It'll kick me. It'll throw me down on the curb, but I come back for more every freaking day. And so I think, and Gary Vee, I think does a really good job explaining like the, the personality profile of an actual entrepreneur. And he challenges a lot of people like, don't even try business. You might not be an entrepreneur, go elsewhere. But I would say that again, Anybody can run a business. Anyone can learn the skills and have the pain tolerance and, and, yeah. and the pain threshold to do what it takes to run a business with the skill sets. But an entrepreneur, I think those are born. And this is a new realization. Yeah. I used to say that entrepreneurs could be manufactured with the right financial literacy, the right mentorship, the right drive, the right opportunity. But I don't think so. I think an actual entrepreneur is born. Mm. Now, that's, for anybody who's listening to that and just got too. discouraged and like, well, damn, was I born with it or not? Don't forget, <laughs> you can still have a successful business. Yeah. But like a Josh Snow, a Cody Sperber, and I don't yeah. know enough about your businesses yet, Bang, baby, but I baby. would guess I, I couldn't hire either. you guys. I mean, there like, wouldn't be enough money that I could pay you for you to build my dream. It's, like, it's just like, yeah, I mean, just like what Cole said. I think, um, I, I mean, I figured that we're born to a sense because we got to have that certain type of drive. Anybody can, of course, can just, I mean, just pretty much just... I mean, learn a skill and just do a job and, of course, be able to be successful. But to be a real true entrepreneur, you got you to have a certain type of drive to you, I believe, that you're… That what, you're what are some of the with. skills that, like, maybe athletes uh, have to be crazy, a very high-level successful athlete that can about, translate to entrepreneurship? And that's and, the crazy thing about it, man. I see a lot of guys, you know, they struggle so much, you know, when it comes to, you know, like the transition. Mm. But the way I look at it is, I'm like, man, we're perfect for this. You know what I mean? We're perfect for this. I mean, we have that drive. We have that, that I mean, like determination, the consistency, uh, 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 you know, just to get whatever done. I know guys that'll run through a wall to get something done. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if it's, or whatever the case may be, I think they just need just more direction. They, they need be, coaching. They're, they, 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 they're so coachable. They just so need that coach, guidance. They just need that guidance. Your bounce back spirit's there. Your determination's All there. Yeah. All day. They just need, they just need some guidance. They're going to go out there and get it done. Period. And, and I don't want to stereotype it. Would you say a lot of people that are in athletics and and excel in, as an athlete maybe have no financial literacy or lack of financial of literacy growing up because they're so focused on the sport that they're not being uh, impacted well, on the financial literacy side by their mentors or coaches of or people course. around them? I mean, them. like nine times out of 10, a lot of us come from my inner cities. Mm-hmm. We don't have that type of education when it comes to financial literacy at all. And I got to, of course, I grew up the same way. You know, our parents didn't have it. Our grandparents didn't have it. So it's just a continued cycle. So like I said, for us, like for somebody like myself, you have to try to seek something. You have to try to get mm-hmm. into these rooms and try to figure it out. That's the way I am. I'm like, okay, we got to figure this out. For some reason, <laughs> these guys are getting ridiculous contracts, <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars, and shit just goes out the window. Yeah, blasting some, right through it. Yeah, just blasting right through it. Man, because they got their whole crew. They got to be for oh, buying Ferraris for everybody. Got to oh, get the chains. What, was the, what was the one thing that like right out of the gate, you just blew that oh. bag and you're like, oh shit. You know the crazy thing that about went, it? That one quick. You know the crazy thing about it? Man, I was so scared. I was so scared. As soon as I turned pro, I came out of the Olympics. I was very, you know what I mean? I tried it out of the Olympics. They gave me that big check. You know, I've always thought about Okay, you know, I'm the one to change our situation. I can't fuck this up. Mm. You know what I mean? Like for your family. Yeah, for yeah. the family. So it's like I've always thought about them first before I thought about myself. And I've always tried to put myself in certain, you know, certain rooms and certain situations to make sure I had a strong foundation first. Uh, I need to give me a CPA. I need to give me a lawyer. I need to give me a business manager. Mm. I need to do everything that at the time I knew that I had to do to try to make sure things were okay first. Then after that, okay, as soon as I got it put together, let me go ahead and spend a little bit. <laughs> now, did it work? Yeah. yeah, it, it, worked. it worked? You were able to yeah, protect some, some guys, of the income? Of course, I had some guys I grew up with. Um, uh, My guy, Tracy McGrady, of course, NBA legend. Mm. And, so I grew up with him. Um, And just me, you know, just being in a boxing game and just assessing it so much and just seeing so many guys, um, you know, go broke or just no like some other like NBA guys, NFL guys in my community just go broke. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And I figured out, of course, you know, when it comes to boxing, we don't have a union at all. So, of course, with the NFL, the uh, like NBA, they have a union. They, they have somewhat of a structure. Like I say, these kids, they come out of college, they link them up with business managers. They link them up with managers and agents. For us, it was 
They taking kids from the inner city. If you're a good fighter, here, we're putting you in the ring. You go in there and bust ass, and we're going to give you a check, and you figure it out. You know, it's no structure at all. It's still set up now to this day, straight mafia style to a sense. So, you know, at an early age, I seen it. And I got a chance to really understand it. And, you know, I got guys like Tracy McGrady, Amari Stoudemire, all these guys I grew up with, uh, you know, like Ray Lewis's. And you know, I sat down and had those conversations. I'm like, listen, okay, I see what I need to do. I need, I need to build my own team. Now, are other boxers mm. that maybe have gone a little ahead of you, made some serious money, are oh. they, when you're talking to them, are they like, look, let me let me school you on a couple things. Boom, boom, boom. Ah, uh, not too. <laughs> so they're not, not too, even like they're no, not even supporting like that. No, no, no. I mean, like you'll be very surprised. Some of the big guys in the game, some of the, even like I say, a lot of legends, man. You just they just out of it. I mean, one of the most, you know, like one of the most, uh, uh, you know, like craziest things I've seen. I went to the boxing hall of fame, and some of, I mean, the icons in the game, like the Marvin Hagler's, the the the, you know, just all the greats. For me to see so many of them just, just out of it physically and financially, that was the saddest thing for me to see. Some Damn. of the guys we looked up, you know, to be able to watch and be able to get this encouragement from and just love, uh, you know, like, I tell you, like, see them fighting to make all this money, but to see them now, it's, you know, like I say, it's tragic. So for me, I feel like, you know, that's something I need to do. Yeah, maybe maybe that could be part of your four purpose for sure. mission is how yeah. to how to really build it into all your real estate business models and have stuff. To. Educate, help, we have support. To. At this point, man, you like the guys are searching. You know, they really want to try to they really want to try to dive in. If it's you know, like I said, like if it's um, you know, I said like if it's fighters, you know, NBA guys, NFL guys. I mean, like I said, they hit me up all the time trying to get into a lot of different things. So, mm. so yeah, with your network, with yeah. your credibility, yeah. with with the influence you have over professional athletes, you yeah. should never be short on cash. This guy right here exactly. says it's, it's never a lack of money; it's always a lack of creativity. Exactly. You would like you. You just need access to deals, man. Yeah, we're, that's it. We're gonna yeah. increase those skills that's so it. much it's so that they're throwing money that's at it. you. It's just a point TKO right now. properties. They just need to Let's see go. it. They just need to see it. Uh-huh. So this is a, a double not? a double win, and because you're gonna be able to fund your ventures, but sure. you're also gonna provide a safe place for them to Most park their definitely. money, and you can help change that ratio of athletes that retire sure. and go broke within five years or whatever it is because along their career, they've been parking money with you. So you can have a pretty big social responsibility sure. within the athletic community to use your financial literacy, your network, yeah. your opportunities, your drive to And you'll be able to make it money. cool, man, and make the shit like a sport. Yeah. Just like my yeah. man was talking That's about, right. like just That's making right. it the right. new sport Look, here, here's how you. Th- this is how you win, bro. If it has to do with real estate, you just ask me, follow every move I make. I'm going to make you a fortune. Let's do it. But the second you see me go in on crypto or a watch. No, the exact <laughs> fucking opposite is about to happen to the market because as soon as I buy that Richard Millie for 160, next month it's worth 100. Oh, Every shit. time. I, if I get in on crypto, you just pull all your shit out right away. Quickly. I, 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 I'm like your... Quickly. I'm scared. Of That's why we're great friends. I just, I just don't read your text for a month and then do whatever you said a <laughs> yeah. month ago a month yeah. and ago, then it's perfect and then timing. That's right. I know real estate. That's, That's it. it. Yeah, you do. Um, uh, top three skills that Somebody who wants to be a successful entrepreneur needs go. Uh, I don't know if these are skills, but drive a yeah. why, yeah, and a purpose. Okay. Oh man, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna copy drive. I would say um, team, uh, or it's not a skill set, but you team building, team building for sure, and uh, communication, storytelling, being oh, able good. to co- to convey a good story. You know. All right, what you got? Uh, I may piggyback on some of that, but yeah. just have different wording. Um, need to have that. Need to have that relentlessness. Mm. You know, you need to. Uh, you need to have that consistency, mm. and you have to be able to be coachable. Coachable, yeah. that's good. Yeah, I was gonna say sales, persuasion, and influence. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's those right are up good your skills. alley, bro. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is. I'm surprised you didn't say it because you're well, the one of the best wordsmiths in the game. You. He's I am. Your great friend. Yeah, I wanted to make sure you had that opportunity. I was doing a layup, but no, but it's my only shot to get airtime on my own podcast. Right now. <laughs> well, that's okay. that was it. But that's let's, the clip. Let me talk about this vlog. real quick. Let me ask you guys a question. So, so I said why, and I think that sales, persuasion, influence, and everything you guys said is good. But for me personally, business can be tough. And people right. ask me a lot. I just got to speak at my old high school, which was super cool because they didn't think I would graduate. Now they ask me to come back to teach success. Thank you very <laughs> much. 
And Are you I gonna was, land in like the football field in your helicopter? Yeah, right. <laughs> Shouldn't I shoot, man? They asked me if they should. Anyway, yeah. It all went well until I told them not to go to college. They come into the gym. Yeah, <laughs> name after the me. Gym. Yeah, that would be funny. Now I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, they were asking me um, how I stay motivated. So these high school kids are like, "How do you stay motivated?" And I told them the truth. I was like, "I don't." I have days where I totally lack motivation, where, where we can have some deals go sideways, events yeah. go sideways, things like this. Go. And I literally quit. There are days where I tell my wife I'm freaking over it and I get in one of my cars and I go drive the coast for two hours. But after I'm done feeling sorry for myself yeah. and crying like a crybaby yeah. and sucking my thumb in the fetal position in the Sick. corner of my bedroom, I stand up like a man and I get back to work get to because it. I have that why, because I have that purpose, because I have that chip on my shoulder. Right. So let me ask you guys, do you think that that's a required element for continued success? Because I see a lot of entrepreneurs flash in the pans. And I wonder, was it just lack of skills? Was it just, uh, you know, they were in the right place at the right time. And so they made some money, but now it's gone. Or did they just not have a why that sustained them? And the mm. inevitable grind of business just wore them down until they threw in the towel. I, I want Josh to answer this because look, well, look, don't think of this. Look, like, let's say I'm used to being the underdog right? I'm used to, I haven't played at the hundreds. Of, I mean, my brands, my companies yeah, have yeah. collectively over, made over hundred million, but I'm not making big boy money yet. Like Josh Snow. Josh Snow. How do you not stay complacent? How do you just kill complacency? You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm still trying to get to hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Play- ah. Like if you're making that kind of money and you look at your bank account, you're like, I'm freaking good. I can never work another day in my life and I'm good. <laughs> it's how you but you're look, still man. winning. I, yeah. When I didn't have money, I started 13 years old. And people used to say, I had nothing. So they go, oh, money isn't my happiness. So I was like, all right, give me your money and I'll show you how happy I'll be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that was my answer. That's, I did yeah. a TED talk on how money can buy happiness. Just and, so you know. and for me at first, I didn't know. And I didn't know what a Lamborghini was. I took the city bus. So once I figured out Lamborghini was, I was like, all right, I need one of those. How much are they? Whoa. Well, what do you, what job do you have to work to drive a few of those every week? Mm. There is no job to do that. And I go, oh, entrepreneurship. And I go, okay. I didn't even, it's not even about the car. I don't care that much. I still don't care. But I think that there's a jadedness that comes from like being long enough in the industry and make enough money that if you're cognizant of it enough, you'll catch the signals that it's not really the, the, Car the other it doesn't really matter, you can't man. Get over that. You can't it just get over gets, that you get like disgusted. Like it just <laughs> it's almost like a jadedness. So that was my answer. But I think that the way you overcome some of that stuff is yes, you think of your why, what's the vision of what you're trying to build. Two, donate along the way because you donate a billion, it's not even a drop in the pan. It's better than what most people will do. But it's when you're giving, when you make a billion, oh man, that guy made a billion. When you give a bit, it's also amazing. But in terms of the giving, like how many people need help and how yeah. many people you can impact, that's super important. So I think that driving that home is something that I continually push forward. And then complacency comes down to, uh, it's hard, man. Like it's the easiest thing is not to get to the gym. Once you get to the gym, then you start working out. And then after a while, like, oh, I'm gonna hang out here a little bit longer. But getting there is very difficult. So inertia is difficult. And I think there's a lot of connections between extreme uh, success in, in, in athleticism and some allegories to entrepreneurship because the grit, the drive, the pain tolerance, the mental, emotional pain tolerance, the um, soloism a lot of yeah. times of having to be your best cheerleader, your best critic too, your meanest critic, hardest critic, but also your biggest cheerleader, but all, like everything. And so I think that there's a lot that is hardened throughout that process. And so becoming an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur, whether you're born one or you become one, I believe that it is w- when you realize that you are one or you yeah. have the ability to, to create that impact, it then becomes a responsibility. And complacency is simply a- another word for laziness. And laziness is disrespect for the life that you have. Thanks. You have one yeah. life. I've lost yes, a lot sir. of family and a lot of friends early on. Amen. And I have every yes, day that I have that I can go and do something. That's an opportunity for me. So complacency, there's a difference between resting. I need to rest. If I need to go to lay on the beach in Turks and Caicos for a week, I need a week off. But when I'm back on, I'm back on because I have that mission. I've got that why. And that why has changed for me over time. It was, I need a car so I don't have to take the bus. I need to help my family. I need to buy my mom a car. I need to do, 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 do all of those things. And then after a while, you're like, well, what is this? And then I realized entrepreneurship was my sport. I was mm. not good enough at football, uh, track and field, the other sports. I could never do what Andre does. And so I had to do what I do. Mm. And then we met in terms of create, you know, that kind of thing. And I think there's just a lot of similarities in that. And I think that 
you don't want to rest in the middle. I think it was, I saw Steve Harvey video, or I don't know who it was, Kobe, Kobe. Kobe said this about not resting in the middle. And that stuck with me so deep for so long about not resting in the middle. What are you mm-hmm. doing resting in the middle? And then Steve Harvey said, if you're going through hell, why would you stop in the middle? You're going yes. through hell. Why would you mm-hmm. stop? Push through. And through. so sometimes the way, the only way through is the way through. And you got to push through. And, and clarity comes through progress, not through pontificating and talking to a hundred people. Progress, uh, work, hard work. And I find every time I get burnt out, depressed, lonely day, whatever, something, everything's human comes up. As soon as I start to give what I want to receive most, let me pay for the two cars behind me in Starbucks and just, you know, not expect anything. I just, I'm having a bad day. I don't say that, but I know that. And I admit that. And I find that there's a trigger to that. And I find that the last piece of my answer is there's a dopamine release that comes from the addiction of, of achievement. Yeah. And yeah. once you've reached the, the max capacity in your field, you look for the other intensity max. that is recognizable <laughs> for you. And I think that that's where a lot of the greats meet. And I think that that's why I've been fortunate to work with some of the best celebrities and athletes in the world. And I'm, I'm not you know, an athlete, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. But we, why are we so much alike? And why do we yeah, understand each other so yeah, much? And why do yeah. we connect so much in those different areas? And I think that that's a lot of the complacency. And I think you can't rest in the middle. Champions don't rest in the middle. Yeah, I, I love, love that it. answer. That's why I love it. Yeah, and, and you're doing something that's really big and you haven't finished that mission yet with right. Snow Oral Care. Um, I want to end this podcast on a super high note because it's been sure. a phenomenal conversation. Yeah, it's been good. I'm yes. glad we did this yes. versus individual stuff. Like I like just all yeah. dogpiling in. <laughs> For the listeners, it wasn't Cody. supposed to go this hey, way. I was going to do it just me and then Andre was going to do it just him and then Josh was going to do another episode. But we were having so much we were having so much fun in the car. Yeah, we're like, yeah, screw yeah, it. Let's just let's go. Um, you meant, We talked a lot about giving back, making your money matter. You're doing something really cool. So Cole, for those of you that don't know Cole, he's been a very successful real estate investor. For how long? Uh, 17 years. 17 years. Great builder and developer in California. Done a lot of big projects. Made a fortune. Also is one of the best stage speakers in the world. Uh, when, I, when I said, I, I'm surprised you didn't say sales persuasion and influence. Yeah, His no. brain was on another wavelength, but like that's your lane, bro. Like yeah. You're one of the best. Hundreds of millions of dollars in sales from stage. And... Uh, um, you've been quietly doing something behind the scenes that, with this orphanage. Funding, you would make all this money and then you'd fund this orphanage because you had this belief system from your faith that would, what was what it? Your right Give hand with your gives. right hand without the left hand knowing, bro. Give with your to, right. Yeah, the Bible says that you should be generous, but not in front of others and boast in others or else you have received your reward in full. So, so you're many years, to just quietly, you, were, you were quietly funding this orphanage. You, yeah, and, and, and 11 you were, years. And you were a... Um, a uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Missionary. A missionary. And so you've been down in Ensenada, Mexico. You were working at nonprofits. You were building houses for underprivileged families and helping these kids. But then you saw the need for this orphanage. Yeah. You found a family. You started this orphanage. And it was just something you were quietly doing, you and your wife. And you were bringing the food. You were bringing the the clothes. You were bringing yeah. all the, the, the resources. And then um, a good friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, his name is Danny, very yeah. successful guy that's um, also going through a massive exit on his business, nine-figure yeah, exit. Um, said, dude, you're being selfish. You're, you're being selfish. You're, you're, you're doing this amazing thing down there. And you brought a handful of us down there over the years. And, uh, but why don't we have an opportunity to jump in and get involved in that? And yeah. that's when makemoneymatter.org was born. Was born. And now you have a 5013 or 501c3. C3. Yeah. And uh, we raised 30, what? 32,300 bucks last night. $32,000. Nice. Uh, was that right? 32,300. Yeah, 32,300. Doing a little fun charity poker tournament. Yeah. Um, so that, a couple of our friends got together and we raised 30 Gs last night. It was cool. And that's all 100% going to the kids. And what, yeah. are, you gonna, what, what are you doing down there with the money and, and what's your vision for this nonprofit? So with that specific 30 grand, uh, we've been eyeballing a one acre parcel that's for sale right next door to ours. Like it shares a property line. It's as close as it could possibly be. And it's flat, it's dirt, and our kids play soccer on it right now. In Mexico, they don't have the means to care for grass. So all the soccer fields are just built in dirt lots. And uh, so even though our kids are currently using it as a soccer field, it's not our land. Well, it's currently for sale for $18,000. And Danny and I were just down there maybe three weeks ago and we were looking at it. And we said, why don't we see if they'd be interested in selling, which is why I know the number is 18, and turn this into like a professional soccer field 
as best we can by grading it, not bringing in grass because they wouldn't be able to care for it, but grading it, making it flat, getting all the potholes and, and putting in soccer goals, building aluminum bleachers, the whole deal. So we just kind of had that thought three weeks ago, reached out to the owners, found out it was for sale for 18 grand, and then did our charity poker last night. So we're going to buy the land for the 18,000. With the remaining amount, we're going to grade it so it's completely flat. We're going to build goals, build alum, aluminum bleachers. And so now my orphanage has access to that, obviously. But we're going to let the community know that it's a, a new community park. We're going to build a jungle gym and all kinds of stuff. Literally, we just thought of this this morning. We had a team call, myself, Danny, and Sonia. And we're going to make that a resource for the entire community to benefit from. So not I just my that. orphanage. They've got like the coolest playground and soccer field connected to them now, but all the other kids who aren't orphans, who are just impoverished Mexican families who live in these colonias and have nothing. I mean, they have nothing, not even running water or electricity. They have this brand new, beautiful soccer field that they can all play on. And, and you built a, like you're building medical facilities. Yeah, so and at our event last April, we were able to raise a few hundred thousand dollars. And so we also bought four acres where we're building an entire village down there where we will be able to have over a hundred children at the orphanage now going forward, as well as a women's rehab facility for women who are addicted to drugs or alcohol to go through this facility who have children. We will foster their children at the orphanage. So they'll just live with the orphan kids while their parents or their mom, I should say, are getting the rehab that they need. And then once mom's healthy, she'll re took, take her child and yeah. go off to live a thriving life. And it's sad because there's a lot of, since it's a border town, there's a lot of child trafficking. And that's what we target is oh, the specific yeah. ages that we're looking for are, are that six to 13 age, which in the world of adoption is harder. People want brand newborns because mm. if they are infertile or for whatever reason, usually people want the youngest children possible. And so when you find that 10 and above age group of children who have no families who are orphaned, uh, it, it's rarer for them to have families lined up waiting to adopt, if that makes sense. But we specifically target them because as disgusting as this is, little girls at about eight or above, the cartels have learned that they can sell cocaine to somebody once, but they can sell a 10-year-old girl 12 times a day. Wow. And so the drug cartels have turned into human trafficking cartels and are grabbing these children off the street funneling them into America through their tunnels or however they do it. Their borders are wide open right now, so they probably just walk across waving. And then they get put into these brothels that these disgusting American men would satisfy their sexual appetites in. And you would think that this is like in some third world country. Bro, it's right here in Phoenix where we're sitting right now. This this happens. Well, I mean, don't point at my building. I'm just saying uh, like maybe somewhere anymore. else in yeah, yeah, Arizona. Right. I mean, like, yeah, like, I, it's like it, I, but, so, but this is this is super important. And so what we're doing is we are we are collecting these children and putting a roof over their head and putting them in the private school. And, and, and I have been funding that myself for years. But like you said, Danny's like, dude, how good does that make you feel? And I was like, bro, it's like the greatest feeling ever other than my family and like, you know, and he's like, then why don't you share it? I was like, damn, that's good. And that's when we made it a 501c3. And so um, we're, we're going to invest about a half a million dollars in my orphanage. It will turn into a seven acre like compound. restoration yeah. compound where nothing but healing and protection and God's work is going to be happening in these people's lives. And that's it's amazing. funded because amazing. of amazing individuals like you guys now. I love it's it. So if somebody listened, this is why I wanted to end on that because I, yeah. I, yeah, I love your mission, cool. man. Every time that's we amazing. throw an event, we get up there, we raise tons of money, and then we see it go to work. And 100% of all the money is going oh, towards yeah. the have, kids, which I, don't I love. Take a salary. We don't have office or staff. I'll, actually, that's not true. We do have staff, but I still pay for that personally. So every single penny we raise, 100% goes to the kids. And if somebody listening wanted wow. to maybe get involved, support, donate, um, like when we were doing the big raise at Clever Summit, there were like doctors that are like, I have all these supplies. I will donate yeah. supply. Like how can people get to you? What's the website? Just makemoneymatter.org is the best place to go. If anyone feels compelled to donate, it's a 501c3. So it's a tax write-off if you live in America at least. Um, and so makemoneymatter.org is the best spot. And um, if they want to just get more information, just find me on Instagram and DM me is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, I'm just what, at what? Cole Hatter, one word, no underscores, no dots, no no numbers, just at Cole Hatter. Shoot me a DM. And and uh, if this is something that you feel compelled to be a part of, I'll let you know based on what you want to do, what we have available. Love that. that and then uh, Josh, nice. thanks for being on. Dude, you dropped a lot of Thanks yeah, for having me on again. again thanks, for, thanks for having Dude, me chill with up. you guys. Uh, how, how can people find you and 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 drop a little little uh, commercial real fast for Snow Oral Care. Uh, Snow, you can find it at Snow on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We have our new kids line at Frost on the same things. Um, I'm at Josh Snow and I've got a TV show uh, called Going Public available at goingpublic.com where we take uh, companies public through the NASDAQ on the show and we film it and share it. 
um, and and viewers can invest. So it's kind of like American Idol meets Shark Tank. It's amazing. That's right. Damn. And how old are you, Josh? Sixteen. <laughs> Doing all that Josh, by age sixteen, man. He's, he's a he's a prodigy. <laughs> I just turned thirty. I just turned thirty. Dude, all of that before the age of thirty, man. That's just man. epic. Thanks, man. Thanks, Andre. You got to step he's your game animal. up, bro. Come on, I man. Like, do. You're, you're only winning guy. some some championships, and some titles. I know. I love it. All right, so Andre, how how can people get a hold of you, and how can man, they? Just anybody. I mean, across across all all my social platforms, at at Andre Berto, my name. Um, you know, they can email me as well. I'm at Berto Capital. Yes, wasn't '83. Um, wasn't at Gmail. Um, like I said, I'm not too hard to find. Yeah, and you know one of my favorite. So, so Andre's a new friend of mine. We, you were here a couple of weeks ago. We broke out now, and you're back, and you yes. spoke at our mastermind, kind of giving our members that championship mindset pep sure. talk that we needed from us. Yes, and uh, you know, dude, I love your f- energy. Man, it's yeah, so man, infectious, bro. It is such good energy. Every you got morning, the it. I just, I wake up so excited, man. Because like I say, it wasn't my choice to wake up. I mean, of course, God just chose it for me. Each and every day we wake up, man. We got to push. We got to push it you know, to another level. And I love it. I get a high off life, bro. It's crazy. You're a great networker. Mm-hmm. You keep doing yeah, this, yeah. man. You're going to be at the top of the real yeah, estate sure. game before you know it. For sure, and for uh, sure. uh Definitely would love keep, to have you back. Yeah, we're going to keep crushing it, man. Future. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, guys. What do you guys think, man? Do you like this like, kind of roundtable entrepreneur just raw talk. I, I kind of dig it. I think we're going to have to do this again. Um, look, Next make- time we should drink a bunch of wine or something first and just see what happens. <laughs> really? Just get lit, Liddy. I mean, that's how, that's how a drink champs is. Yeah, yeah, they just, they yeah. start we know we should start by the end of 1942. Hey, hey, man! By, by the end of this, bro, you're gonna you're gonna go full Kanye on everybody. And yeah. I don't know if we want that. I'll have to delete know. this episode. Hey, if we're uh, building orphanages, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, uh, look. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe to this podcast. And obviously, since we don't have any advertising or anything like that, we would really appreciate you uh, um, sharing this with a friend. You know, if there's an entrepreneur that's on the come up, they're looking for just to be in this world, maybe get some knowledge nuggets, some advice, or connect with any of our guests, and uh, you resonated with this conversation, make sure you share it with one of them. And also uh, give us a five-star review. You know, those reviews really help. That's all we have for you in this episode. Until next time, we're out of here. Take care. Comb your hair. Peace. Hey, thanks for being a subscriber of the Clever Investor Show. As a thank you gift, we wanted to give you something that we know is going to help you get started as a creative real estate investor. It's our real estate success kit, and it's completely free. Just go to www.reisuccesskit.com to customize your kit, but essentially it's a collection of 15 training tools designed to help you get results quickly as a creative real estate investor. From systems to lead generation to finding cash buyers to creative ways to close deals and get paid. Your free REI success kit is just a few clicks away. Once again, the website's www.reisuccesskit.com.